Welcome to What's Wrong with Wolfie. And welcome to What's Wrong with Wolfie, a retro podcast dedicated to the pop culture of the 80s, 90s, and zeros. My name is Jason. And my name is Eric. No Rich, Chris, or Steve this time, but as you just heard, we are joined by Eric from the All End Nintendo podcast to discuss one of my all time Christmas classic movies. Tim Allen and Judge Reinhold stars in Walt Disney Pictures, The Santa Claus. It was the night before Christmas, and children were dreaming of the presents Santa would bring. Somebody's on the roof. But this Christmas Eve... Hey, you! The unthinkable happened. You killed him! Did not. Now, this night... If something should happen to me, put on my suit, the reindeer will know what to do. It's up to them... Let's go! ...to save the day. Together, Scott Kelvin and his son Charlie take on the biggest job in the world. Looking good, Dad. Oh, oh, oh. And though it has its dangers, nice teeth. He thought it was just for one night. You're the new Santa. I am not Santa Claus. Ah. You put on the suit. You're the big guy. What if I don't buy into this Santa Claus thing? Then there would be millions of disappointed children around the world. He doesn't want the job. It was a dream. But it's growing on him. I've gained 45 pounds in a week. Now he's getting into the spirit. Ah! You're alive. Keeps that belief in you. I want some ballet slippers. And getting ready for the biggest night of his life. How could I have done this without you, Charlie? You couldn't. Walt Disney presents a timeless tale that will warm oh. your heart. I love you, Santa Claus. I love you, son. Lift your spirits and make you believe. You really are Santa Claus. Pretty cool, huh? Share the merriment and the magic. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Tim Allen. Santa. The Santa Claus. The Santa Claus is a, a really, really special movie from from my childhood. You know, obviously, Tim Allen was a massive star around that time. Uh, home Improvement and all that. So I'm really excited to join you and, and talk about this movie. Thank you very much for the invitation, my friend. You're more than welcome, and and I do really appreciate you uh, accepting that invite on such short notice. It was uh, it's been a crazy time trying to get this one organised, so I really did appreciate that. Yes, when I got through on uh, on the messages, so yeah, man, thank you too. Hey, man, the holiday season, season of giving, season of spending time with friends, and you know what better way to do that than to literally spend time with our friends? You've been a huge, huge member a great contributor and a great friend over at the all-in community this is you know coming on and, and spending some time with you is is the least i could do i'm happy to to spend some time with you this holiday season buddy you mentioned about a community there and um some people that are listening obviously may not know what that community is or what that community is based from so uh, why don't we just spend a little bit of time just to uh, quickly discuss what you get up to and what your podcast is about uh, as you mentioned all in a Nintendo podcast, uh, me and my amazing friend and co-host Seth, we, you know, just kind of every week 
uh, we we put together like a three hour <laughs> Nintendo <laughs> podcast. We do uh, weekly news roundups on YouTube, but uh, we are a Nintendo variety show. We do top fives. We do a lot of developer interviews. We've been very fortunate to have some amazing people uh, come on the show over the past uh, couple of years. We get to talk to a lot of people within the industry, independent developers, creators, and all kinds of stuff. And we're always doing those. We do retrospectives. As a matter of fact, the episode, uh, our previous episode, we did a retrospective on the 20th anniversary of Beyond Good and Evil from the GameCube. That was a ton of fun. And then every week we do an indie showcase. Seth and I are massive, massive fans of independent games, and there's so much creativity out there that isn't getting you know the uh, at least most of the time isn't getting the eyes on it that it deserves so every week we also highlight another special uh indie game uh this week as a matter of fact this past week we did a highland song from inkle studios very excited to play that game yeah it's it's really really interesting very very unique make sure to check out the show and and hear our full thoughts on that as a matter of fact we also put up a video on the youtube channel of that you can check out our youtube at youtube.com slash all in podcast uh we've we're on twitter and facebook at all in podcast so you know come and join our community uh jason here is a like i said a great member of the community we have a, a really thriving discord uh, community over there so yeah come we'd love for you to be a part of it yeah it, it's a great show and like i've uh, been searching yes yeah, i've been searching for, I, I had been searching for like a, a really strong nintendo podcast to listen to and uh stumbled across yours and uh it's been my main my main nintendo podcast ever since and i think one of the other things i'd like to highlight about the show is is your intros to the show because they are uh, <laughs> i think quite more unique than than other podcasts uh yeah i do write a script every week and we try to make it fun and cute almost like a saturday night live cold open a lot of the time uh just try to have some fun with each other and try to get a few giggles out before the intro but yeah doing those scripted intros at the beginning of every episode and trying to find some way to tie all the disparate elements of the show together into a single kind of cohesive theme sometimes is a really fun challenge so so thank you uh, we're, we're very proud of those little those it's it's takes a lot more time than I'd like to admit but yeah those <laughs> yeah, but those, those quick little intros I'm very proud of as a as a listener it's quite intriguing to find out how you guys are going to tie that intro into the rest of the show every week so um yeah it's quite it's quite the thing when you when you press play on the next new episode to to find out what you guys have cooked up this time so yeah it's great and also you touched upon the community in discord uh, which is another just a, another quick thing I'd really like to highlight because uh, yeah, again, it was uh, searching not only for a podcast, but maybe also for a community to talk about Nintendo stuff with. And obviously, stumbling on the podcast, I thought I'd check out the Discord. And as you said, everyone in your in the community for All In is is really warm and friendly, open and knowledgeable as well on on Nintendo, but not just Nintendo, but on all other aspects of video games as well: PlayStation, Xbox, PC. And uh, it's it's a delight to be a part of that community. So if if anyone that's listening that's after such a thing, then I would highly uh, recommend you go and check them out. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you over there. Matter of fact, we had a few members of our Discord uh, community, a few members of our All In community join me 
uh, for the Thanksgiving episodes. That was that was really really fun. Seth actually took a couple weeks off, and uh, I you know I brought a bunch of members from our community on to kind of guest host segments of the show with me for a couple weeks, and that was that was an absolute blast. A few of our patrons as well. We do have a Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash all in podcast. We actually have a free trial for one of our tiers. So check that out if you like, but yeah, we're trying, we try to include our community in as much of our content as possible. Yeah, no, those two episodes were amazing. Um, really enjoyed, uh, what you cooked up on those two episodes while Seth was off. And, uh, I, I kept meaning to pop in the discord to say, to say that, but life, um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but- you know, but life is yeah. that is the most relatable, <laughs> relatable thing ever. Yeah. But life. Yeah, but life. I but need to yeah. Get a tattoo of that on my arm or something. <laughs> yeah. I think we all should. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, great episodes and just great podcasts. So yeah, go and check it out. And I did appear on one of the episodes uh, in their back catalogue about the Tetris movie. So if you want to hear even more of my lovely docile voice, then uh, you can go and check that out as well. Yeah, that was a fun episode. I really like that movie. Definitely go ahead and check out that episode. But yeah, let, let's get to the main event of the episode. And as you said at the beginning there, we're with the Santa Claus. And, you know, it's not only my my favorite, but it's yours. You know, when I messaged you and asked you for a film to cover, this was the one, or this is one of them that you, you mentioned. So, mm-hmm. like, um, what was it about the Santa Claus that resonated with you so much, I guess, back in the day when you maybe you first watched it? We were a big home improvement family. My mom especially absolutely adored home improvement with, you know, of course, starring Tim Allen and Patricia Richardson and, you know, a, you know, like people like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who would be, you know, himself go on to some some pretty big success there for a while. A little movie called The Lion King that you may have heard of. The what? Uh, the what King? It, yeah, it's uh, Lion <laughs> King. It's it's a Macbeth. Uh, it's a little kind of indie film that. Oh, is that that film that's celebrating its uh, 30th anniversary next year? I think. Oh God, don't say that. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this weird movie called The Santa Claus came out, and it was basically pitched to us as. Tim Allen, you know, playing this character of Scott Calvin, but it was basically just pitched to us as what if Tim Allen became Santa Claus? And honestly, at the time, because of, you know, his star power, because of the show, and that was just kind of enough. And I was really interested. I just from the trailers, it felt like he brought a really fun energy to it. And uh, I don't know, I've, I've, I've just always had very fond memories of that movie. And, you know, clearly it did well enough. They, made a movie trilogy about it there's a new series on disney plus that started last year so it seems to have done well enough for itself i will say the movie has at the same time an amazing title an amazingly clever title and also a terrible title (laughs) yeah the entire point of the santa claus movie title is it's supposed to be a double entendre about Santa Claus, Father Christmas, but also a contractual clause. I didn't know what in the world that was as an eight-year-old. So I was trying to wrap my head around this title. And they were like, oh, yeah, clauses in like a contract and legally binding and all that stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what? So I had no clue about the cleverness of the double entendre of the title. I was just like, oh, this is just a fun movie that I really like. So it's a if you're an adult, it's a really clever movie title. But if you're a kid, you're just completely lost in the sauce about about the extra meaning. At least I was, because I was an idiot. 
I never really thought of it in that way. Uh, I, I guess I was a little bit older when, when it came out. Was it 94 it came out, wasn't it? Yes. So I think I must have been 16, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it must be about 16. So I probably had a little bit more of an idea of what was going on than an eight-year-old. So, so so, hearing it from that aspect, yeah, I can imagine how confusing that word must have been for, for, for the younger audience. Yeah, it was a, a family movie, a kid's movie, and they were trying to, it's like, look at how our clever little title about contracts and about yeah. legally binding <laughs> you know, things. And we're just like, uh, can you go back to Santa Claus now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the same as you, what you said there about home improvement. I was a massive fan of home improvement. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that was really kind of the sitcom of the 90s, I feel it like. It was, yeah. You know, when I still walk around sometimes, go, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, was, that was definitely Tim Allen's big claim to fame when it comes to his stand-up comedy. Yeah. Uh, the show itself had some really unique elements, despite just being, you know, basically just another goofball husband trying to make his way through life. He owned his own, uh, or he ran his own kind of closed-circuit tool-based television show which was really fun and then of course you know the neighbor of wilson and the kids and the dynamic between him and patricia richardson was fantastic so it was yeah. it was a really really special little show there for a few years and i i don't know if it was i don't know if it was our introduction to tim allen i don't know i mean it was my introduction to tim allen mine as well i don't i don't think i knew of him before home improvement so i mean it's quite a quite a big show for Tim Allen to for him to become a global known yeah. quantity instead of just being uh, someone who's known in the US but you know home improvement was like this show that in in the UK we on a channel TV channel called channel 4 on a friday night used to be the night where they played all the american import shows mm. so when you know home improvement would come on that's when friends would be shown um and you know many other kind of the American sitcom shows would be played here. So Friday night used to become quite the night for us as a teenager because we knew we was going to have the chance to watch all this, uh, um, all these American shows. Um, so yeah, so that's where I got to see Home Improvement. So yeah, hearing that the Santa Claus was coming with Tim Allen in it, and I was sold just from that, really. Um, I didn't really <laughs> need to know anything else at the time. And yeah. he, he was massive by this point and... I think, uh, well, I wouldn't say he's massive, but he was well-known and yeah. he was going to become even bigger with Toy Story coming out the year later. Yep. I think, you know, uh, as Buzz Lightyear. So, yeah, um, I was sold on on the Santa Claus. Yeah, I just love I just love the story. I love the way that they did what they did and, and uh, it's been a firm favourite for me ever since. Yeah, I really, really like kind of the setup of the movie because I think Tim Allen slots really well into the character of Scott Calvin. Weirdly enough, uh, apparently like Bill Murray and Chevy Chase were even offered the role of Scott Calvin. I could maybe see Chevy Chase, but I don't think Bill Murray's got the same kind of acting style, I think, for for the film they were after. Yeah, I don't think he would have brought the right level of uh, agency to it either. Mm. And apparently he turned it down because uh, Bill Murray apparently turned it down because he didn't want to do another holiday movie after Scrooged. Well, I mean, Scrooge was the late eighties. I mean, come on, man. I mean, that was like six years. Uh, I think 1988, I think Scrooge came out. Oh, well his loss, not ours. Uh, I think Tim Allen absolutely crushed it in the role. And there's so many aspects of the movie that we can kind of jump into. Where do you want to start? 
we'll start with the actual plot. I mean, we've kind of touched upon it a bit here, but I've got a bit of a synopsis of the plot for anyone that may not be familiar with this film. I mean, who who's listening that doesn't know the Santa Claus? I don't know, but just in case. <laughs> when uh, the separated Scott Calvin causes the real Santa Claus to slip from his roof and literally die on Christmas Eve. <laughs> I mean, it, that is true, right? Is, I mean, that is so, that was so weird. Like you start off a movie with, like the literal accidental, like the manslaughter of Father Christmas. You know, and even as a kid or a teenager, you do it, you just blink and like go on with the show. But you're thinking like, a dude just killed Santa Claus and like, it's a real soft death. Like he just slips off. Yeah, they play it up for laughs. Yeah, I guess so. It's weird. It's like the the way that he slips off is like so physically. Yeah, yeah. He's just just windmilling his arms around and it's it's very much treated as like this comedic thing. And, you know, they do kind of at the end, you know, they they show like the hand kind of waving away. So it's like, oh, you know, well, he's not dead, dead. So Mm -hmm. they do treat it with, you know, as much of a light touch as I think they possibly could. But yeah, yeah, it was still kind of weird. Scott, with the help of his son, Charlie, complete Santa's route and return to North Pole to learn that by putting on Santa's jacket, Scott has accepted the Santa Claus in air quotes and (laughs) has become the new Santa. What follows is a hilarious and touching story of Scott turning into Santa and transversing his son's beliefs while dealing with his ex-wife and her new husband, Neil. Neil. (laughs) We get on to Neil later. Can't wait to talk about Neil. But yeah, when uh, after Santa Claus slips off the roof, uh, he's just kind of there lying motionless in, in Scott and Charlie's front yard. And they're going through his pockets just trying to find some identification, trying to find out who this guy is. Because, of course, it couldn't possibly be the real Santa. But they wind up finding this card saying, you know, put on my, you know, put on the coat and grab the bag. The, the reindeer will know what to do. And it's very ornately made. It's got this wonderful little red border on it. But yeah, I love you the come- suit. Yeah, I love yeah. that suit. Yeah, Even now, I look at that suit and I love it. It's like one of my favorite Santa suits. I don't know why. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. But after a night of literally playing Santa Claus, which Tim Allen's character basically just kind of goes with because he just assumes it's a fever dream he's going to wake up from here in a few hours. You know, they get to the North Pole and Bernard the Elf is sitting there and it turns out that lovely ornate border on the card was actually the fine print of you know, the, the Santa Claus with an E saying Mm -hmm. that, you know, by doing so you accept all the, you know, forthwith, you accept all the responsibilities of St. Nicholas, Father Christmas, and you are now forever Santa Claus. So good, good luck on your future endeavors. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you won't have any, cause it's all about Santa now and Christmas. Exactly. Scott kind of like pushes it away. Like it doesn't believe that this is all happening. Like you say, and, um, he kind of wakes up from it all and like back in his apartment and it's like Christmas day and nothing seems to have happened, does it? And um, it all just seems to be back to normal and like, but it doesn't take long before like bodily changes happen to Scott. And I think this is probably one of the aspects of the film that I love the most is because I'd never really seen someone spend a year of their life turning into Santa Claus and the (laughs) troubles that that can bring, especially in the line of work that Scott Calvin was in, um, being being like a big business suit in this big company. 
it was just fascinating. I think when I first watched it, it still is. I, even now, I know exactly what's going to be happening. I still just love watching his transformation from Scott Calvin into Santa Claus. Even you know, just from the, uh, I think what was the first one? I think it was his belly or something that started to get bigger, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he started to gain a little bit more weight here and there to the point where he no longer fit into any of his business suits. He actually had to show up at work wearing sweat clothes. And that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then, of course, you know, the the facial hair starts to come and, you know, that kind of gradual transformation into the Santa Claus that we all know and love, that portly, uh, white bearded, you know, bundle of joy. That That's kind of the crux of most of the movie is Tim Allen's character, essentially, both kind of trying to come to grips with the fact that Santa Claus is real and he is him now and also trying to have this transformation not completely ruin his life because you know as we've kind of alluded to you mentioned in the synopsis that he's separated like by the time we meet the character of scott calvin he's kind of a mess he's not only separated from his wife but she already has a new partner he very clearly seems like he doesn't really know how to raise his son as a single father and even it seems like, you know, some weird stuff is going on at work. So he's already kind of a mess. And then you throw this weirdness into it in a world that doesn't believe that Santa Claus exists. All of a sudden, you know, you know, he starts turning in to St. Nicholas. And one of the things I like most about this whole transformation is the fact that the the, the outside world just kind of assumes that he's doing this in order to curry favor with his son. Mm. And I really like that aspect of it. Like yeah. he's, he's trying to come to grips with it himself, but he's also trying to not let it mess up his relationship with his son, which now a lot of outside forces are trying to kind of come in and, and interfere with because I mean, Santa Claus isn't real. He must be doing this in an unhealthy way to try to, you know, again, curry favor with his son. So there's there's a lot of really nuanced stuff. You've, you've got the base level kind of family comedy aspect of it, the physicality of it of, oh, the, he's getting fat now. That's funny. Oh, his beard grows, you know, within five seconds. That's funny now. But as especially watching it now in my later years as somebody who who is the age of this character, trying to empathize with this person of, trying to deal with all this stuff, but trying to maintain some type of relationship with the one person in his life that basically hasn't left him yet. It's it's an incredibly touching story beneath everything. Yeah, no, you've, you've touched upon a point of the film that I guess I didn't completely, well, I kind of probably took for granted when I was younger. But as you say, I think one of the great things about revisiting older films when you're an adult is because you really do see them in a different light a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And for what is basically a Disney family, what's classed as a comedy film, looking back and watching it now, I mean, there is a lot of deep stuff going on yeah. un underneath this film. And that's something I never really appreciated at the time. But now it just gives that film that extra little bit of layer for me, a little bit more of a, I don't know, like gives it more of a complication, I guess, uh, to, to to the film. And I really appreciate that, that aspect of it. And where, where you say about, Scott's transformation, I think one of the biggest parts of it is not the physical part of the transformation, but it's the mental part 
of where yeah. he's he's the same as everybody else. He's the same as his wife and his and the wife's uh, new partner, and can't believe it. It's not true. It's not happening. But as he goes through this transformation, he does seem to. It obviously warms more to you know this being a real thing, which doesn't help his case with no. with, with with everybody else. Um, you know, and that's where his ex-wife and Neil comes into the story with trying to get him help because they just think he's going mad. And and like you say, trying to get into Charlie's good books. There's a wonderful scene where Scott is at the park and, you know, his transformation is kind of deep in at this point and he's really starting to resemble Santa Claus. And all of a sudden uh, this young girl comes up to him and just kind of slowly inches her way toward him. And eventually she just kind of walks up to him and sits on his lap. He's like, I want a pony or, or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, his wife, uh, Scott Calvin's wife and Neil show up. And the next thing we see, there's a full line of children lined up and he's, he's actually talking to them. It seems he's actually talking to them, you know, like Santa Claus would do. So, but, you know, looking at that, you know, looking from his perspective, obviously, it's like, well, I guess this is kind of happening. But looking at it from an outside perspective, from a world that doesn't believe in in, in Santa Claus, I'm I'm sure I'm I've got to imagine if if I were in Neil's situation. Granted, Neil has you know a, a degree apparently in in psychiatry or something. Apparently, uh, apparently, <laughs> I would I would probably be a little concerned myself because. Another aspect of, of looking at it from the perspective of, of, of an adult is I, I ask myself, what if I found out today, my entire life leading up to this moment, what if I found out today Santa Claus is real after years and even decades of just knowing that he's not? What if I found out today that it, like, what would that do to me mentally? So I try to look at it from the perspective of the characters who were just kind of watching this, watching Scott Calvin's transformation. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. I've never really watched the film and put myself in that position before. So thank you, Eric. I'm gonna, next time I, uh, I watch it in the next week or so, I know it's going to be a, a question forefront in my mind. I mean, because when, you know, the end of the movie, you know, you get to the point and all of a sudden everybody believes uh, it's got to be one of those things where you look back on your entire life and wonder what's real, what's not anymore. I'm, yeah, I'm so sure you know. for, a, yeah, it'd be almost a religious experience, but that's just <laughs> one of the many things I think it taps into. You know, when we're kids, we kind of have Charlie as a stand-in for our perspective. You know, of course, Santa Claus is real. Oh my God, our, our dad is Santa Claus. That's the coolest thing ever. From the perspective of a kid, you know, you're looking at it like, what if our dad became Santa Claus? Wouldn't that make it the greatest thing of all time? And I think that's one of the big draws for young kids is they can they can put themselves in Charlie's shoes and look at it from that aspect and have an incredibly fun time with that kind of wish fulfillment perspective. But, you know, like you said, you know, look at it from from our perspective as adults now, the movie means something completely different, but I still think is no less meaningful and makes the movie any less fun. No, no, not at all. Now you must wonder, you know, if you ever got in, if that situation ever was to occur, you'll be like, well, what about the Easter bunny? <laughs> the two fairy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it would be mental. Which they do wind up bringing into the, the franchise uh, at some point. I think we'd like, uh, if we have time to talk a little bit about the sequels a bit later, but um, yeah. 
sequels, I never, I've, never, I've never watched them because I, I don't, I never wanted it to scar my <laughs> my um, connection to the original. I guess so. I was always scared to watch them because I didn't want that to happen. But just in terms of you know the first movie, the plot, and you know, of course, it's a Disney movie, so I mean, spoilers, kind of everything turns out okay in the end for all of our heroes. You know, it was kind of nice to see what felt like genuine heartfelt realizations at the end. And uh, especially from, you know, Neil, who looked like he was going through through an existential crisis. (laughs) Yeah. Whistle. Uh, What was it? The pinky? The pinky whistle? Uh, Yeah, the the Oscar Mayer wiener whistle. Wiener whistle. Yeah, because that... There's two parts of this film, and I think that's one of them that didn't really resonate with me being an English person, and, and I'll talk to you about the next one in a minute. But that scene always is stuck in my head. I can still see Neil's face in my head right now with that whistle in his hand and just how pleased he was that he actually finally got the yeah. whistle he's been after for his entire life. And I just thought that was a lovely moment of the film. I just loved it. And a wonderful piece of acting from Judge Reinhold, where his mm. voice kind of cracks, and it's almost like his voice went back to when he himself was like seven or eight years old. It's like, Santa? Yeah. <laughs> but the um, other scene I just mentioned is the scene in uh, Denny's uh, at the beginning of the film on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve when he takes Charlie there for, for a special treat. Mm-hmm. And especially back in the mid-'90s, like we – were we you know a lot of american restaurants were un- unknown to us we we didn't know as much as we know now about yeah. american fast food and american restaurants so the whole gag of like scott taking charlie to denny's on christmas eve for a special dinner kind of <laughs> just went straight over my head and i'm sure a lot of other people in the uk uh, or other countries i guess uh, especially at that time so i was always quite one, I always kind of wondered, you know, why that scene seemed to be quite a big part of the beginning of the film, you know, especially, you know, when they cut to the other dad and the other kid in Denny's doing exactly the same thing, you know, we, we wasn't, yeah. we just, we just wasn't aware of the reputation of Denny's or, or Denny's in itself. So yeah, that scene just kind of washed right over my head. I loved Denny's as a kid. I was actually a really big baseball fan and Denny's, you know, had all of these kind of baseball themed, uh, like kind of different meals that you could get. They actually had something called a Grand Slam breakfast, which uh, I got a lot of the times as a kid. And I remember even for a short time, Denny's even had this promotion where you would get like this special edition baseball card if you ordered that breakfast. I I adored Denny's when I was a kid. If we went to Denny's, I considered that a special treat. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, so, so that joke still washes right over my head. So, you know, so, you know, I mean, I've been to America a couple of times and we, we've, we dined in Denny's uh, a few times and we loved it. We thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. We thought it was a great place. You know, the kids loved it. The fact that they could have sausage, bacon, pancakes and cream, they're over the moon, you know, so. As an adult, I would still love that. That would still be (laughs) a special treat for me. I was quite jealous, to be honest. I was quite jealous I didn't order the same. Now I need pancakes. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the biggest thing about that scene was to introduce the, uh, the the character, I think, of Laura or whatever, the waitress, whom right. he kind of uses later on as a way to kind of explain away the, uh, the, the previous night's escapades, essentially, when he winds up <laughs> when he winds up with those 
those wonderfully bright red silk pajamas out yep. of nowhere. <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't know how I got these. And Charlie's <laughs> like, well, it, didn't she give them to you? And it's like, oh, it's the, the, the waitress. The waitress was like, no, we got them at the North Pole. It's like, no, it's probably the waitress, Charlie. So We're going to move on to, the, to talk a little bit more about the cast in a minute. But I think that we just need to have a quick chat about, you know, the North Pole in on itself, really, and the way that they kind of dressed that place up and the, the characters that we met at the North Pole in the Santa Claus. And I took an instant warming to Judy. We love Judy. She was a quality, quality elf. I like Judy too. Uh, I think they did a really good job with the North Pole in general, casting children as the elves, but treating them as if they're all adults, I think was an inspired choice. You know, even if it may have just been a subtle way to foreshadow the fact that you need to, you know, kids aren't just to be dismissed whatever they say shouldn't just be dismissed. You know, you should listen to them because in a very literal sense, you know, the, the elves are essentially children who, who know what's going on, who are the subject matter experts up there at the North Pole, but also as a way to kind of show that, yeah, maybe these adults should have been listening to Charlie this entire time because he also knows what he's talking about, what he says shouldn't be dismissed. So I don't know if that was intentional, but that was kind of always the way that I took it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think the other character that, you know, the big character we met at the North Pole that I always wanted to be friends with was Bernard. Oh, of course. <laughs> Bernard was so cool. Love he was Bernard. great. He was always so great with Charlie, but always so smarmy with Scott. He always treat because he's got a new Santa and all this. You can just tell there's like, oh my God, this paperwork, all the headaches that this is going to cause for me. Now that we've got a new Santa Claus, I've got to deal with this grown idiot who probably doesn't think this is even real. I've got all of these new things and procedures. I got to train him. So I just, I loved how he was always so frustrated with Scott, but just loved Charlie. I, I thought that was a great dichotomy. Yeah, no, definitely that, that kind of yin and yang of, of how they, how he treated each uh, person was was definitely a, a brilliant stroke of uh, genius on on that front yeah I, I still just want some of judy's hot chocolate yeah i think it'd be amazing that was kind of weird i do kind of wish they had not put that joke in because he's sitting there with judy after the night and he's got those red pajamas on and you know she's he's wondering because he sees all these children around and he's like, how old are you guys? And she's like, I'm several hundred years old or whatever. And he's like, well, you look really good for your age. And she thinks that Santa Claus is hitting on her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. But I'm seeing someone in rapping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's weird. Like I haven't watched the movie in a long time, but all of these lines, like that's, that's a direct quote from the movie. And I still remember it all these years later. You know, I've watched it plenty of times, obviously, because it has become a holiday staple, over the decades, but yeah, you know, it's, it's just kind of gotten to this point, especially in the American zeitgeist, I think where, where many people are just kind of aware that's just kind of base level Americana at this point, a part of that is the Santa Claus. And I'm sure a lot of people could quote the movie even better than I could at this point. It's, it's definitely a film that, um, and I don't think it's the fact that it's something that we watch on a regular basis every year and obviously yeah. it gets stuck in your brain, but I just think that's just a show of the, quality of the the writing and and the characters that they created for the film and the, to to keep keep certain parts in your zeitgeist i guess you know like, like yeah. the whole when you when you talked about the scene in the park where all the kids were coming up i knew exactly what scene you was going to hit upon yeah and, and talk about and i remembered it straight away and with neil and his whistle at the end and that whole scene you know it stuck in my brain 
from that point of the mid 90s even to this day you know and that's got to show some kind of strength towards the film I mean, I think that there's a reason, even though it came out and, you know, wasn't, didn't complete, didn't blow critics away or anything. It's just one of those holiday movies that I think, I think it captured the right amount of spirit. It had the right amount of heart, even though it was never going to be nominated for any Oscars or anything. I, I think it, I think its heart was in the right place ultimately. And I think that was able to carry, I think the, I think the cast were able to, to kind of latch on to that aspect and, and know the type of movie that they were making. I guess the other strength of it is the fact that it's still just relatable today as it, as it was back then for, for, for the new generations of people to, to discover the film. And it's even more easy to do now it's on Disney plus. Now I'm just sitting here, you know, Charlie used to be my wish fulfillment when I was a kid, and now I'm just sitting here waiting for, for Santa Claus to show up on my roof so I can accidentally get him to slip Kill off him. and put on his... Exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, I think that's a great point just to uh, have a quick break. Uh, we're going to play a bit of music from the soundtrack, and then when we come back, we are going to have a quick discussion about the cast. Santa Claus, two names stick out, obviously, straight away, and that's Tim Allen and Judge Reinhold. Of course. I mean, we've already kind of said quite a lot about Tim, really, and the way in which he plays Scott Calvin, he is just playing Tim Allen, really, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's basically just Tim Allen with Santa Claus initials. (laughs) That's really all it is. His name is Scott Calvin. Like They even allude to this very early on in the movie. Charlie pointed out, I was like, hey, Dad, you have the same initials as Santa Claus. Is you know, a little bit on the nose, but, you know, it's a kid's movie, so I understand that they have to make that, uh, that they have to kind of make that connection. But, yeah, in terms of Tim Allen's direction, it, it basically just felt like the director walked up to him and said, just be Tim Allen. Just, just be you. <laughs> yeah, be Tim, just be the exact same person from your stand-up comedy. Just be the exact same person from your show, Home Improvement. I mean, because his name, even in Home Improvement, his name was Tim. It was Tim mm. Taylor, but his name was still Tim. He was yeah. basically just himself turned up to 11, which I think is what Scott Calvin ultimately was. When it, when it comes to a lot of his live-action movies like this and Jungle to Jungle and you know a couple others, uh, I, I think that's basically kind of the case. Obviously, he did something. He, he actually acted a little bit when it came to his portrayal of Buzz Lightyear. But a yeah. lot of his live action roles just kind of seemed to be Tim Allen with a different name. But for this, it played perfectly fine, in my opinion. I mean, he must have been laughing, you know, like, I just have to learn some lines and just be me. Like, yeah. how, how much of an easy gig is this? And like, and, and for his future films. What what a great way to 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 make movies. It it does seem it doesn't seem like there was a lot of improv from his. It does seem like he stuck fairly close to the script. I mean, there was a couple moments and everything, but he was a big name. But I don't think they gave him the levity of something like a Robin Williams, who basically just showed oh, yeah. up on set, did his thing. 
you know, I, I'm sure the direction was like, let's stick to the script, just be yourself, but like, don't try to improv too, too much. So I, I, they kept him on, I think they kept him on a little bit of a leash, but I think it turned out pretty good, especially because I think that was his first, I think that was Tim Allen's actually like first major motion picture. I, yeah. Because Home Improvement, I believe, started like his acting career. You know, obviously, like I said, Jungle to Jungle, Toy Story, he would get a lot more experience. But I'm sure with it being like his first movie, uh, I do wonder what his experience on that set was and how much he was asking the other members of the cast and how much guidance he was actually looking from. So being at his first movie and he was the lead, I would be interested to to know kind of what his experience and what his perspective going on to that project was. Uh, but I know we're saying like Tim Allen was just like Tim Allen, but I, do you think that he did have to actually do a bit of acting maybe more towards the end of the film when he was Santa Claus, you know, when he was turning and trying to make yeah. it believable that this uh, hard businessman who didn't really believe in much. Uh, and like you said, was going through a rough time and that, that transformation from that character to, to, to Santa Claus. I mean, I do, I do think they're probably, you know, he, he did have to show his acting chops a little bit on that aspect of the film to, to make yeah. us believe that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a hundred percent fair. Like by the end of the movie, there is a noticeable warmth to it. And, you know, I, I referenced judge Reinhold's kind of voice break a little bit earlier. They do to, to juxtapose that they do a, a close up of, of Scott Calvin's face of Santa Claus's face after he says that. And it is like this genuinely warm presence. You know, you have to remember, you have to remind yourself that this is still Tim Allen, but you look at it and you do kind of just see Santa Claus in that moment. You see the presence of father Christmas. So yeah, by the end of the movie, that's perfectly fair enough. He has, and I wonder if that's just the physicality of having the suit on and having that transformation, having the beard and, you know, the, the bodysuit that he wore, just having the, the physicality of of Santa Claus. I wonder, I'm sure that was a big help to help him really get into the mindset of the character. Mm, definitely. But like we, we talk about Scott Calvin and it's hard to relate that, not relate, but have a different discussion about it because as we say, you know, it was so Tim Allen, yeah. Scott Calvin, it's pretty much the same same kind of thing. But I, I do, as a lasting comment on, on, on this is... Uh, I do wonder how long they took to brainstorm the name Scott Calvin. It must have been. <laughs> I'm sure it was just immediate. It was like, yeah. we just, we need something with, with SC. It's like, okay, what, what other name starts with an S? Uh, uh, Sarah. Uh, no, that's a girl's name. Uh, Scott. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. 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 It kind of lands in it. Yeah. I'm sure that's as far as it went. I don't know how much time they spent with, uh, with the, with the last name, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a, a very long brainstorming process for that. You know, over, over the years, you know, certain stories and bad press has been hit towards Tim Allen and whatever is true and what isn't true, you know, whatever uh, light you hold for Tim Allen these days, you know, that that's your, that's your preference and that that's totally your opinion and that that's great. But for this time and this film, you know, Tim Allen was the man. I mean, he certainly had some issues in his younger years. Um, you know, he, he spent time in prison because of cocaine. And, you know, especially in his, his later years, his more conservative, I think, outlook has has turned some people off. But, I mean, I he's still Tim Allen to me. I may not agree with some of his – I may not agree with some of his standings when it comes to policy. But, I mean, it's 
I, I don't, I don't take that as a knock against the human. I don't take that as a knock against the person. I still enjoy his last man standing show. And I think he's continued to do a great job with buzz. You know, I, he's, he's had issues notably, but you know, I, I don't, I don't judge the man by the worst mistakes he's ever made. We're only human. We all make mistakes, don't we? So yep. as long as you learn from them, that's the main thing. Okay, well, let's move over to Judge Reinhold. And yep. old Judge, I don't know, he's got a special place in my heart, this guy, from his films from the 80s as well. Oh, yes. Because, because of my age, I was a little bit more aware of him, but I didn't really know him, if that makes sense as well. Kind of like he was a face that I kind of recognized from past films, but I couldn't really place where they were at the time. But obviously growing up, I've managed to obviously put two and two together and realized, you know, films, uh, it was Beverly Hills Cop, wasn't he? Oh, yes. Yeah. Beverly Hills Cop is probably, when it comes to Judge Reinhold, that's probably the thing that comes to mind first for most people. I think so. And so like him being like a quite a major role in this just makes it a little bit more special for me, I think, because because I had that I don't know, I have that kind of memory that haze of, of him being in, in Beverly Hills and, and things when I was younger. But as the the character of Neil, he was I think he was the perfect casting. Oh, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. because it, it was already a character that you weren't really supposed to like because it was the wife's new partner. It's the stepdad uh, type of uh, is the stepdad trope. When the main character is the biological father, the main character is the person you're supposed to be rooting for. So, I mean, you're always going to be diametrically opposed to, to the stepfather character, to the other father figure. But judge Reinhold brings this kind of extra little, like because of the fact that he does have this degree, it's so clear that he feels he just knows more than everybody else in the room. It's like, well, I know more than all of you. Therefore, let me help you. Let me help you lesser people out of the good graces of my own hearts because of this paper, this diploma that I have framed up on my wall. It makes me allowed to, you know, he he just always had this perfect air of, it's like, well, I'm going to help, but it's because that I'm a better person than all of you. Therefore, I'm in a position to help you. And it's just the, the most punchable, most perfectly punchable personality. Oh my God. Like <laughs> even, even as a young kid, I think I actually, I think I actually audibly said, in the movie when I was watching it at home, I was like, I want to kick that guy in the balls. <laughs> I mean, the character of Neil is weird because there's, there's just not a lot going. Like, I don't know. Like there's no, there's nothing really is there. It's like he, he's got this really calm demeanor and he never seems to show any emotion. Like yeah. it's always, it's always calm. He always talks in this really calming manner. And he's always trying to find a way in which to solve the situation from his diploma or whatever. Everything must have a logical explanation. But the thing was, is like ultimately there was clearly room in there for a little bit of a oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a redemption. Like there, there was a there's a, a fundamentally good person there. It's just his thought of I am the man, I am in this position where I have to provide, but it kind of turned him into this closed-minded character that you know, he had a little bit of an arc himself by the, by the end of the movie, his mind was kind of forced to open, but, uh, but for most of it, you know, it feels 
kind of one note, but I think Judge Reinhold played it with more dimension than I think the character was initially written on the on the page. And uh, I, th- I think that was a, a real reason why that character stood out. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see someone else try and play this character in some ways. I'd be quite intrigued to see how they would portray him because I don't, I don't know if anybody else could possibly have portrayed Neil in such a way that Judge did. Like I say, he's, he's a weird character because he's still quite likable in some ways, but not likable. You just don't know where to sit with him because, oh, I don't know, he's, he's, just, he's just a weird one. And I yeah. think Judge really played to make me feel like that with him. The, despite his kind of lack of screen time, Judge Reinhold's character was a very important character within the sense of the story because, yes, he was, you know, he was the, the male figure in this kind of other family unit that Charlie had, but Neil's character also kind of served as uh, kind of a proxy for the world at large of Charlie trying to convince the world of like, his dad really is Santa Claus. Like this is actually happening. Why aren't any of you listening to me? And it was just kind of focused on this Neil character, but Neil was just a stand in for, again, essentially just the, the world at large. And if Charlie could, could get Neil, then he could get his, his entire world. Yeah. So, so Neil was a very, very important character, despite maybe not seeming like that. Obviously, he uh, he gets his moment with the uh, all famous whistle at the, yeah, at the, the end. little whistle. <laughs> <laughs> but it does, it does, it, it make me question like Scott's ex-wife Laura. Yeah. On <laughs> what what actually what was it about Neil that she actually like attracted her towards him? You know, because he is so like emotional, emotional less and. And things like that. It did. It did make me question, like, what do you actually see in him, Laura? What do you see in him? I want to know. It, he's not Scott, and <laughs> maybe yeah. Considering that those two were separated, you know, it's maybe she was just looking for not Scott at that point. I, I guess when you look at it, you know, Neil is completely opposite to to Scott. So yeah, yeah, that's probably yeah. what it was. But I think ultimately, I, I think. I still think they were a decent couple because I think Laura's demeanor, she was also very serious and very, you know, straightforward, very by the book. So uh, for her in her relationship, I actually think that Neil is a good foil for her. I think that those yeah. two, you know, I think Charlie is definitely going to be the one that needed to add a little bit of levity and a little bit of fun to that. But uh, but I, I like Laura and Neil. I think they made sense together because when they were on screen together, they kind of strengthened each other's viewpoint. They were both trying to to get Charlie to to disavow himself of these insane notions that his father was Father Christmas. And the, the way they kind of came at Charlie, you know, is this two pronged, you know, both legal and psychological attack, because that's something we haven't even touched on is like the custody of Charlie is a big thing that's hanging over. It is. Yeah. Uh, this movie throughout the entire time while Scott is dealing with being Santa Claus he's, he's not just trying to raise his son he's trying to keep his son yeah that's true yeah 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 absolutely because the whole transformation thing plays into that as well doesn't it and ultimately makes him lose custody of Charlie during the film yep so but it's yeah there's there's a there's a strangely lot to this movie and, there is uh, really, isn't there? I yeah, just, you know, you just think of it like a, a jolly little family Disney film, and like there's so much going on. And I think that's one of the reasons it's been able to kind of survive yeah. this, even if people aren't really able to put their finger on it, they're not able to to really describe it in in ways that they can understand. They understand at a base level that you know there is something here. They understand the heart 
behind it. And I think one of the biggest hearts of the film is Charlie himself. Oh, yeah. Played by Eric Lloyd. Charlie, I don't know, Eric, Eric just plays Charlie just so perfectly. Yeah. Like, there's belief in his eyes. You can see it in his eyes. And yet again, that just that just bring, that comes through the screen and hits you when, when you're watching this film and you're like, yeah, I do believe it's true. Yeah, everything, you know, he's, he's totally got you on his side because of the way Eric played him. And that is a massive kudos to him for the age yeah. that he was when he played this character. I believe that Eric Lloyd thought Santa was real when he did that movie. <laughs> I mean, he's got to, really, surely. Right, I mean, that must have been that must that must be true. They kind of just said to him. I mean, how old was he when he? I don't know how old he was. Oh, I'm sure he was still single digits. I'm sure he was maybe approaching ten. I don't know. Let me see. Uh, Eric Lloyd is uh, he's, he was born in 1986, so he's born May 19th, 1982. He would have been eight years old when that movie came out. Yeah, so he's right bang in the middle of believe. And everything. Yeah. They believe that the cast, uh, the crew of the film would turn around and say, right, well, Santa Claus actually isn't real. Um, <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> so um, it must have been an interesting way to film that and not spill the beans to him. But yeah, you're right. You know, he, he was right in the middle of that belief of Santa Claus. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful to see that on the screen. And I, and I think as a parent, where my children are old, older now, you know, I've got a 16 and a 13 year old. So that, that kind of time has gone for me. Uh, that, that kind of innocent belief of, of Santa Claus and Christmas time itself. And it's great as an adult to revisit the film and see that belief again is a beautiful thing. And it's just, yeah, it's just a well played by Eric. Yeah. Uh, Eric wouldn't really have a necessarily a storied, film career he was in a little movie called dunstan checks in with a <laughs> with an a and i didn't realize this apparently he played young bruce wayne in the batman and robin movie uh but Did aside he? from the, i didn't yeah, know that ah, i didn't know that either interesting and he's done some voice work here and there but i think you know if, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to condense his his uh, career just like i think most people would immediately associate judge reinhold with Beverly Hills Cop, I do think most people would just kind of immediately look at Eric Lloyd and say, oh, that's the kid from the Santa Claus movies. I think mm-hmm. this I think this movie absolutely is kind of his definitive movie of his career. Yeah, definitely. It's the Home Alone <laughs> Oh yeah, him like Macaulay Culkin was for, for oh, Home yeah. Alone, wasn't it? Absolutely. But I liked Charlie anyway. Like he oh, yeah. wasn't a spoiled brat. He he was he had a pure heart, and so not only did the belief that you could see radiating from him, uh, you know the the fact that he he wasn't spoiled, he wasn't kicking off because he didn't get the present he wanted or anything like that, and and the relationship that he had with his dad and the belief that he had that he was actually Santa and his relationship with Bernard and just the the, the whole way through the film, uh, Charlie as a character, him and himself was was just an amazing creation. Weirdly enough, of all the cast, I think uh, Bernard himself, David Crumholtz, has probably gone on to have maybe not necessarily an A-list career, but certainly a, a long and, and lucrative career. David Crumholtz uh, actually appeared in Oppenheimer uh, this wow. past year, uh, so he's like he's still running around. He's still doing movies. He was in. Uh, I haven't seen it myself, but apparently he's cast in uh, Bernard Returns in the Santa Claus Disney Plus series. But yeah, he's he's running. He's still doing movies. He's yeah, still doing his thing. More power to him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't recognize him. 
<laughs> if I saw him in these things, because he needs to wear a hat and some dreadlocks. Exactly, and, some you know. little dreadlocks. That was the what a decision to to make this young white Jewish actor come in and wear dreadlocks. I know, right? To play an elf. Why did that work so well? No, it's weird, isn't it? Why did that work? I, I haven't got an answer for you, Eric, I'm afraid, but um, I'd really like to know what it, you know, I don't know. That is, is a, it's, a, it's a Christmas miracle that it just works. Exactly. Exactly. Give, give that costume designer a raise. <laughs> they deserve the Oscar just for that decision alone. Is there any other uh, cast member that you want to touch upon, Eric, before we move on to to our next segment well i mean the only other main cast member is uh laura wendy Cruson, who i apparently she was in air force one apparently she was in the sixth day with with arnold schwarzenegger apparently she was in the covenant i say apparently because if i'm being completely honest i don't really remember seeing her in anything outside of this movie i mean she does a, a very good job in the movie for for the character that she was given i think but uh, it's certainly not one, uh, certainly not a springboard vehicle for, for her career, unfortunately, but again, more power to her. She did, she did really well in this movie. Again, if you didn't know that her name was Wendy Lawson or I'm sorry, Wendy Cruson, Wendy Cruson. <laughs> See, I'm already missing her name. <laughs> I mean, she played the, you know, she played the perfect mom, I guess, you know, she's yeah. very believable as a mom, the concern. You know, you could see, you could really see the concerns in her facial expressions. Yeah. For Scott and for Charlie, I guess, for Charlie hanging around him, Scott in this, you know, in this state that he'd found himself in. And, you know, it was a believable performance by her. And it it never took me out of the film, her performance. It never made me think, oh, uh, yeah, this is a movie and this is just a person playing this character. You know, I think she nailed it perfectly. Okay, um, well, let's leave the cast there. We'll listen to a little bit more of this amazing soundtrack from the film before we get into our favourite moment of the Santa Claus. So um, enjoy the music and we'll catch you up in a minute. Before we do get into our favourite moment of the film, I, I reached out to our Discord community and asked if any of them had anything they would like to say about the Santa Claus. I very kindly received a voice message from TJ and Rob from the Channel 84 Variety podcast. I hope I got that right. And they, that right, I'll be honest, I've not heard this yet. They've not actually got it to me. But they have promised they, they're sending me something and I'm just going to slip it into the edit and make it all nice and lovely. I hope they've got some really happy memories <laughs> or some really happy things to say about the Santa Claus. But I guess we'll find out right now. So uh, let's hear what they've got to say ab- about the film. On the 13th day of Christmas, 
someone gave to me Tim Allen in the Santa Claus. Oh, I thought you were going to say Enema. No, no, that's on the 14th. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Followed up by my uh, scrotal scraping on the 15th. <laughs> <laughs> and this will the, probably never make it into the podcast let now, me get the bread because, oh <laughs> that's what my old man used to say all the time when you say something great go oh put that on some bread oh nice <laughs> nice anyway what's up with wolfie asked for thoughts about tim allen in the santa claus and i always get it muddled up because there's two santa claus films there's santa claus the movie mm-hmm. where two people die at the very beginning and then there's santa claus or sorry the santa claus where one person dies in the beginning. <laughs> Which one are Merry we talking Christmas. about? Merry Christmas. Right, so Santa Claus the movie is the better one. That's the one with Dudley Moore as an elf. And basically, I don't remember this, but at the very beginning, of, I know we're talking about the wrong film. Uh, at the very <laughs> beginning of the Santa Claus the movie, mm-hmm. you see two elderly people die, and that's the story of them becoming Santa and Mrs. Claus. It's brutal. But oh, anyway. they're zombies. Santa Claus is a zombie. No, it's all to do with the mythology of it. Oh, grow up, Robert. <laughs> But no, the one we're talking about is the Tim Allen Disney classic where he disturbs Santa Claus on his roof, who falls to his death, and then he becomes Santa Claus. Very Merry Christmas to all the children that watch it that might have that question of, is Santa Claus real? Well, apparently, if he just falls off your roof and dies, you whoever finds him becomes the next Santa Claus. What if he's like shot in a war zone? Some dude down there like accidentally <laughs> ricochets and shoots him down. And then suddenly they start turning and what the fuck's of, going on? It reminds <laughs> me of um, the South Park episode, Red Sleigh Down. Uh, is that like Black Hawk Down? Yeah. I, I have not seen that. <laughs> That's a brilliant episode. But yeah, but in effect, the whole story of it is Tim Allen hears someone on his roof. He thinks it's a burglar, goes out, shouts at him. Santa goes, huh? comedically falls off the roof. And dies on impact on the floor. There's Mm -hmm. no surviving it, apparently. Even though he lands in a really nice soft snowdrift, he falls off the roof and is immediately dead. What happens to the body? It just disappears. And the clothes? Uh, I think the clothes stay, if I remember rightly. But there's a business card that basically says, The Santa Claus is that you're now to become Santa. Right. And that's the whole premise of the film. And he gets fat and dry. He's like... They're always telling the boy... Well, he's telling his kid that, yes, Santa exists, yet his obviously ex-wife, because it's a happy Christmas family film, so you can't have a a happily married couple in there. (laughs) It's true, you can't. It's Disney. Um, And she's married to... Oh, he's a comedian. He used to be on... um, Not Whose Line Is It Anyway? Or was it Whose Line Is It Anyway? Maybe Whose Line Is It Anyway? The American version. And um, he's a psychiatrist. Right. So they're basically telling him, no, 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 Santa Claus isn't real. Parents bring your present, blah, blah, blah. They don't want him to believe in it because they believe it's psychologically damaging. Mm-hmm. Which is just bollocks. Yeah. Uh, and then Tim Allen goes a whole year and then discovers he's getting fat, can't shave off a beard without it reappearing, and he's becoming Santa Claus. And he ends up in the North Pole. And there's all this rubbish that goes on. It's not a bad film. Yeah. It's very, very Disney. But if you've got a kid who's A, questioning the realism of Santaism, Santa, mm-hmm. is it real or not? Or even a really young kid, it's, it's not going to work. At it's any, pretty traumatic. At any point, does he go, oh? No, he doesn't go, oh? Oh, boring. And there's no, there's no Wilson next door either. Yeah, no one looking over a fence. Or Owl. Look at this 90s oh, knowledge. Yeah, I, yeah we, we, we were in the 90s, everyone. 
I yeah, I've seen it. I've seen this film a few times. But have you seen any of the sequels? Uh, they looked shit. There's like three now, and I think they're turning into a, a serial now on Disney Plus. There's this a series year. on Disney Plus. Oh. I saw that. The what's up? We put it on Discord that there's a series. Oh, we did, didn't we? Yeah, yes, that's how I saw it. I no intention of watching it. The second one's to do with Jack Frost, and it just looks yeah, that's creepy. the one that looks fucking shit. Um, the third one, I don't know what it's about, and the series, I don't know what Are it's we about. We have to swear on this podcast. If not, he's got Jason's got a hell of a lot of bleeping to do. <laughs> Shit, fuck bollocks. Shit, fuck, fuck, fuck bollocks. <laughs> Happy Christmas, fuckers. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Oh no, that's Home Alone. <laughs> Just add in more wrong films. Anyway, Wolfie, have a great Christmas. Enjoy watching this terrible but good film. I've got a soft spot for it. I do like it, but mm. yeah, no, it's it's not one of the better Christmas films. No. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I'd like to speak a little bit about what they said, but unfortunately I can't because uh, I don't know what they said yet. Yeah, a bit of uh, time traveling going on around here, but... Um, Man, let me read it in. Exactly. But, um, but please go and check out their podcast, like I say, the Channel 84. Uh, var, var, I can never say this word properly and I don't know what Variety? it is. Yeah, it's one of these words. You know, everyone's got a word that they cannot say properly, and for some reason, variety. I just can't say it. But you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Um, variety, yeah. It's like yeah. Ben- Benedict Cumberbatch can't say penguin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> yeah, go and check out their podcast. It's a it's a great little listen. Uh, they they do all sorts of uh, geeky stuff. They they tr- they try different food and drinks on the show and give us their opinions on it. They play games and it's a it's a real jumble of stuff and it's a, it's good entertainment. And they also they also do every other week they do uh, a discussion on a random Star Trek episode. So uh, yeah, go and check them out. Really nice. good listen. Right, I've got that plug out of the way, Eric. Let's get on to our favorite moment. <laughs> and uh, yeah. What, what was your favorite moment of the film? If I just had to boil it down to one, man, uh, um, I don't know. We've we've already touched on so many really fun, really memorable moments from uh, for, from the movie already, from Santa Claus falling off the roof to the weenie whistle to uh, his incredible transformation with the, the beard instantly growing in the mirror when he shaved it. But honestly, if you're going to twist my arm behind my back and I had to distill this movie down to just one moment, uh, I would probably I would probably just go with when Scott Calvin wakes up in his uh, or, or when he and, and Charlie are done with that first night and he's in this, you know, he's in the, the, the North pole, just kind of taking everything in. He's in his pajamas and Charlie is running around and, and just this ornate, beautiful bedroom. And Judy walks in and just kind of taking everything in after that first night, Charlie is just absolutely in heaven. Tim Allen is just still waiting to wake up from this fever dream uh, I, I think there's just something special about that. A very pure, like, father-son moment. He just got to spend, even if in his mind it was in a dream, he just got to spend this amazing night with his son that uh, had to have been 
You know, like you, you could tell there was something underneath everything that this night still meant a lot to him. And he's just kind of coming down from everything, drinking the cocoa. And I don't know. I just, I really like that kind of after everything, after this first night of, of being Santa Claus moment. Yeah, no, it's a really good pick actually. And I think you can see it from the other side as well. Like, I yeah. guess like where, where obviously the Charlie's parents are separated and he doesn't get as much time with his dad that he probably would like to a, because of the separation and B, because Scott's busy being yeah. working and, you know, being the businessman that he is. So like day-to-day life, he probably doesn't have a lot of time for Charlie. And so for, for this to happen and then for him to have this magical night with his dad and spend all this time with him and then go to the North Pole, like f- from Charlie's point of view in, in this moment of the film, it must have been one of the best times of his life. Best night ever <laughs> yeah exactly not, not just because of all the santa stuff but just because he got to spend some time some proper quality time with his dad what about you but one of my favorite scenes i think we've already brushed on quite a lot of them but there was one aspect of the santa claus that i think we all wonder about when it when it comes to santa claus films and that's how he gets into the house without being noticed yeah <laughs> i think uh as a 15 year old watching this I kind of liked the imagination that they threw into how Santa Claus gets into your chimneys and houses when you don't even have a fire. Yeah. And I think that kind of comes to one of my favorite moments of the film is when we first see Scott going down the chimney, you know, <laughs> with the with the Santa bag up in the air like a big balloon. And he's kind of just hovering over that. And then we, you have the pure, like, Tim Allen facial expressions going on of like, well, I ain't fitting in there. How, how am I getting down that? And all that stuff. <laughs> Actually yelling at the bag. He's looking underneath <laughs> of him at this small, like, five-inch diameter pipe. He's like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but kudos to the special effects. Like, it looked really believable. And I, I really like the whole chimney kind of swallowing him up and taking him down to the front room Yeah, effect of, of him getting getting into the into the house and I really liked it when the house did not have a fire and he just had a radiator and then that radiator would just disappear and all the ornaments would disappear and then a real fireplace would appear for 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 him to come down you know you we all had different things you know we've always asked questions haven't we like you know what especially when you're younger and he's you ask your mum and dad like well how does it get into the house when we haven't got a fire you know, we've we've all had different things thrown at us, but I did. I think that was probably one of the better representations of how Santa gets into your house, and yeah, it really just stuck with me. Well, I mean, if if you're talking about Santa on the schoolyard, so that is a question that comes off a lot, and they could have just easily just kind of brushed over it and said, "Well, it's just Christmas magic or whatever." But the fact they took the time to actually visualize that and and answer that in some way, and the fact that they did it in such a fun and magical way i think was really great but like i said we brushed over some of my other favorite moments and like the whole beard thing was really great um because it was the fact that you know he grew it and he tried to shave it off and he was really happy that he managed to shave it off and it stayed and it seemed to like just gone away and it wasn't going to come back and then within i don't know 20 seconds it was like boof it was straight back to where it was (laughs) before he shaves i just thought it was a great a great idea to to portray into uh into this film i thought it was just brilliant just all the 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 little the moments of christmas magic like when he gets the list delivered to him and all that stuff and um and i guess there was one more 
that I really like stands out for me as well is when they send the the elves for the jailbreak. Oh yeah. For the moment. I just I just love what did elf stand for again? I forgot what it's I kinda don't know if you can remember. It wasn't it an abbreviation or something, wasn't it? Oh man, it was uh oh wow. Oh man, I can't remember why I remember when uh, they got down to the the jailhouse, they or is it E E L E E L F S uh, they had a thing, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They had it was an acronym or something. But uh yeah, it was this this super elite jetpack wearing special forces uh elven strike force that went down to, to get Scott out of jail. They used tinsel to actually cut the prison bars off the hinges. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> tinsel, not just for decoration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently it stands for effective liberating flight squad. Yeah, ELFS, elves. <laughs> but I kind of wanted to be one. It looked really cool. I like it the does, I mean, they, they had, Exactly, they had jetpacks. So who wouldn't want a jetpack? All, that, all that's left for us to do with the Santa Claus then is to just give an overall verdict on the, on the film. And I guess what we're going to do on this one, because the rest of the guys aren't here, we're going to have a score of 20 each. Out of 20 each. To then hopefully, you know, make it so this film has a chance against the other films on the board. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with you, Eric, uh, with like your overall thoughts on the Santa Claus and then a rating out of 20. Uh, my overall thoughts on the Santa Claus, I I mean, I really like it. This was at the height of Tim Hall, uh Tim Allen's popularity in the mid-90s. I think conceptually it was an incredibly strong movie. I mean, it was incredibly successful. It was had a, a budget of like $22 million and wound up making almost $200 million. So, I mean, its sequels and series and a future franchise was basically guaranteed. But I think that came from just the heart that they made the movie with. Uh, again, this was never going to be on the same level as... Um, this was never going to win any awards or, or anything like that. But I think for what it was, the heart, I think the cast was right. I think the writing was good. I think the acting was good. It's not a movie that's ever going to make me cry or anything, but it's a movie that I will, I will happily watch every holiday season. So uh, for me, I'll give it a 17. The Santa Claus for me is a Christmas film that just takes me back to that time, I guess, where Christmas was still magical. Yeah. It kind of makes me feel it kind of evokes the the feelings, the envir- the atmosphere, I guess, yeah, the atmosphere of that time of my life and that Christmas feeling. And I think the Santa Claus is one of those films that takes me back in a strong way to, to that time and that atmosphere and that that feelings of, of, of Christmas time and being a uh, a teenager, young child, or at that time of the year, which, as an adult, because it sucks, you you just lose, <laughs> you know. So you know, and this is why nostalgia is so strong these days for us because we want to evoke those feelings again because we oh, miss yeah. them, and, and the Santa Claus does that for me. We we talked about all the strong points and and the the underlying stories that it's telling you and the way it's all acted and the magicalness of it and stuff. But I think for me, that's what it boils down to mostly on why this film is so special to me and why it's so magical is because it just evokes that, that time of my life. 
you know, and it's 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 just a strong, safe Christmas film yeah. that a lot different people are going to get different things out of, and that's to its strengths. And and it's one that I hope lives on for for many years to come. Maybe not so much in the in the TV show, you know, but you know, as, <laughs> as the films in on itself, yeah. Definitely, it's a it's a strong pick if you're ever after a Christmas film. For me, for that reason alone, I think I, I think it will have to be like an eighteen point four for me. It's just one of my top five Christmas films, I think, and, and for that reason, I, it's, it's it's up there for me. Very nice. So we've got an eighteen point four plus a seventeen thirty five point four. Nice, Eric. Good maths, mate. <laughs> It was one thing I was good at in school. Yeah, maths was not my strong point, and it still isn't. (laughs) I mean, I'm no Rachel Riley, but I mean. (laughs) Um, So 35.4, which puts it on the board in between Lake Placid and Speed. (laughs) What a sandwich. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) There we go. What a sandwich. Who wants to see a uh, a mashup of that in one film? (laughs) Wow. That would be... That would be very interesting. But yeah, it's up there. It's up there, top half of the board. So uh, I think that's a, a happy place for the Sentinel Claws. The first one, at least. And uh, as you touched on, you know, on that and, you know, we alluded to earlier, I mean, there was two sequels to the film, which I haven't seen, um, but you have. And Eric, did they live up to the expectations from the first film? It was a case of diminishing returns. Uh, the second movie was able to kind of capture a little bit of that, the, the sense that Scott Calvin is still coming to grips with everything that it means to be Santa Claus. And in the second movie, that meant finding a Mrs. Claus. Now, the, the, the original movie operated a lot under that kind of fish out of water uh, idea. And the, the first sequel was able to to capture a little bit of that. And it was still a fun little christmas tinged romantic comedy so i mean it was fine it wasn't as good as the first one but i think it's still perfectly fine and watchable following that though this like he is scott calvin is fully there there is no more adjustment period he is santa claus so that entire the personality of those first two movies like there's nothing left for that so at this point it's just a story about santa claus from a character that just happened to used to be this guy named Scott Calvin. So there's, there's none of that whatsoever. And I think everything that has followed since then has, has really, really suffered as a result because that part of the movie, that fish out of water aspect that drove the first movie and in part, the second movie is, is basically completely gone. He's no longer a fish out of water. It is absolutely his water. He is very familiar with this water. And I, I think they wrung every piece of narrative and story context they could out of that, but didn't know when to stop. Now, is the is it the second or the third one that had Martin Short in it? As That's the third one. Yeah, third one. Uh, was it? What did he play? Uh, Fro- was it Frosty? He played Jack Frost, and it's Jack this, Frost. Yeah, it's this time travel movie where instead. Uh, Santa's having a little bit of an existential crisis, and for a moment, he wished that he didn't become Santa Claus. So Jack Frost, ever the the ne'er-do-well in this universe, actually makes it so that he instead becomes Santa Claus and not Scott Calvin, not Tim Allen. And he turns the North Pole into this weird tourist trap and 
commercializes Christmas even more so than it already is. And, you know, all this stuff. So, but it's, but it, it doesn't have any of that. I think genuine heart. It's more or less just, it could have been a TV special, frankly. I don't know. Like I mentioned earlier, like I, I never watched them because I think especially around this time, you know, Disney were checking out straight to VHS sequels yeah. and stuff. And they were never as strong as the first film. Uh, yeah. You know, that they, they had, uh, they had smaller budgets, which you could tell Yeah, uh, that their plot wasn't as strong as the original uh, story of the films they were based on. And so I think I've been tarnished a little bit and I didn't want that to happen for the Santa Claus. So I never watched them. I don't blame you. I do feel like I, maybe I should, you know, they're just sitting there on Disney plus. It's not going to cost me any extra money. Yeah. So all it's going to cost me is time. I, I do, I do feel like maybe they, they, they maybe deserve a little watch just, just out of interest, I guess, because especially the second one, as you say, it's, it's, it's not as strong as the first one, but it's still got something going on. Regardless, I still don't think that should take away from the fact that I do believe 1000% that the, that the first movie is a stone cold holiday classic. Well, we've made it to the end. Eric, thank you once more for, for joining me. It's been, an, it's been a blast having you here. And yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. If you want to just remind the listeners before you go on where they can find you and your podcast, that would be wonderful. I would love to do exactly that. Yes, you can definitely check me and my amazing co-host Seth out at All In, a Nintendo podcast. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, at All In Podcast, again, YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash all in podcast you can also check out our patreon patreon.com slash you guessed it all in podcast uh, you know we, we do a weekly nintendo podcast uh, variety show we got top fives developer interviews retrospectives uh, game reviews independent game showcases we do a ton of stuff each and every week we also do news breakdowns each and every week we've got a ton of content coming your way every week so we would love to bring you into our community we would love to have you over there with us over at all in and that is all capital in not all the word i in all capital in podcast and there is one thing on your podcast you do when you shout out your triforce <laughs> patreon uh, supporters and uh, i feel like i i need to do it with you well i have this opportunity so if that's all right we're going to re- recreate the 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 thing that you do every time you call out Drive <laughs> Force Heroes. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Okay, and, and in three, two, one. Da, 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 da. Beautiful. <laughs> and, and always, I don't know if you ever do it on purpose, but I always like that you're just like always a couple of milliseconds later than Seth. That's 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 a weird editing thing, actually. Whenever we're recording, I do it at the exact same time Seth does, but it just happens because of of recording and, and uh, because okay. of our our, yeah. our voices are like a couple seconds off. So that's mm-hmm. the only reason that happens. When we're recording, we do it at the exact same time, and it sounds amazing every time. Oh, okay, yeah, just like that did. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, as you can tell, we've made it to the end of this week's show, and all that's left to say is a big thank you to you, yes, you, the listener, for your company. 
We really appreciate you spending your time with us. But before you leave us, we just wanted to remind you of a few things. We'd really appreciate it if you'd check out our coffee page where you can go to show your support to us monetarily with a one-off or monthly donation starting from just one pound. But we know times are tough. So if that's not cool for you right now, then a rating or review on your podcasting platform would be amazing and very helpful to us. Uh, Please come and join us in our Discord to chat with us and other like-minded people on retro or modern day pop culture and have a look at thewolfypod.com where you can find all our episodes, articles and much more. Links to all of these can be found in the show description or on the website. All that's left to say is for Eric to say goodbye. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Goodbye, you all. Hope to see you soon. And uh, my name has been Jason, and you've been listening to What's Wrong with Wolfie, a retro podcast to the max. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Barking.